Beloved, before the year ends, join the teaching revivalist, Chimdi Ohahuna, in this edition of Go Forward Conference Tag, How Long Will You Wait? The book of Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. This verse of scripture happens to be an anthem in the heart of some saints because the natural man hates to wait. But, the scripture admonishes us that we have need of patience, Hebrews 10:36. Does this bring contradictions and confusions to the saint? This is a very crucial issue which is akin to the heart of every saint. In view of this the solution is to know when to wait, and when the wait is over. Join us for this life-changing and unprecedented teaching sessions, where God is set to end the wait for all who are waiting for God in any and every way. Participate via GraceLifeComi podcast. Jesus is Lord. man hates to wait. You know, time and again I tell my children, patience is part of life. You have to be patient. You know that children don't like to wait. Even adults don't like to wait. Patience is not a gift. It is a virtue. Are we together? Yeah. And so we discover that it has to be developed and the natural man does not want to wait. But you see, there is a timing for waiting. Are you getting what I'm saying? You discover that when people begin to wait beyond the time they are meant to wait, you discover that um, um, there are a lot of things that begin to come up. If you're going through banking halls or going to conventional environment where people have to wait for their tongues, when the um, service delivery is not prompt, are we together? Yeah. The next you begin to see that they begin to complain and they begin to shout, you know, because natural man does not like to wait. Coupled up with the 21st century age we are, we have long left the jet age, we are in the information age. And information age is faster than the jet age. So everything has to be microwaved. Now, so it is not a matter of waiting, but how long are we to wait? Uh, Peter 5 verse 10 says, The God of all grace, who has called you all to eternal glory, after you have suffered a while, he says a while. The word while then it means a season. So establish, strengthen, perfect, and set to you. It means that your suffering is meant to last for a while. That means you should only wait for a while. When the waiting goes beyond the while, it is no longer in accordance with God's will. Praise God forevermore. And so, it's important we need to know how long we have to wait for matters. How long we have to wait? Because one person will be, how long is it going to take? I remember when I spoke to somebody about, um, you know, taking the time, and the person said, if I give it now, if I give, if I, if I give time now, will I start seeing the result? I said, you plant it now, you start seeing it now. You know, and there are many things that regards life and waiting that people are always itchy about. I, for one, I don't like waiting long. I don't like waiting. If I once I start getting itchy in a particular environment, everything about me begins to cry for a move. Are we together? So, this question is very important. In life, how long am I to wait? Um, today, we're going to be looking at the subtopic uh, by the Holy Ghost I titled Slack Knot. Slack Knot. And the scripture, Joshua chapter 18, verse 3. Says and Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? 
Holy Spirit brings out revelation into your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. Says, how long what? Are you slack to go to what? Possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers have what? Given you. If you see it from verse 1 to 2, it says, um, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Now, so there's a challenge here. The land was subdued, but some had not received their inheritance. Now, so it's, it's a different bargain mentality to subdue the land, and it's a different bargain mentality to receive your inheritance. So, some of the time I think that subdue the land is all there is to it. But no, that's not all there is to it. A land that is subdued without the inheritance taken is almost tantamount to a land that is not subdued. A battle that you go to fight and you win and no spoils from the battle is kind of like waste of energy. There's no proof of the battle. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So it's not enough for us to subdue the land, but it's more than enough for us to take inheritance. That's the reason why I don't like a situation where it's like I'm putting energies and I'm putting resources and I'm putting everything I can and I'm not getting inheritance. I don't like it. I hate it. And when I get there, I always tell them, I don't like it. Why? It's not another thing we are praying, we have subdued the land. What is the proof that we have subdued the land? Inheritance is the proof of subdued the land. So there, are, there were seven tribes. Imagine out of 12 tribes, seven tribes, the proportion was too high. That means only five tribes are taking their inheritance. What are the United seven doing? That means it was not yet a successful situation. It was still a failure situation. Because if it's six out of twelve, out of twelve, then you can say, okay, they got fifty percent. Are you getting what I'm saying? That has that have gotten that have um, taken their inheritance, they've gotten fifty percent. And if it's seven out of twelve, all right, they have gotten above fifty percent. We are getting better. But now we have seven out of twelve that have not taken their inheritance. So this was a failure situation, and Joshua was not comfortable with this. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And he told them, how long will you be slack? How long will you be slack to possess the land which the Lord God of your Father has given you? How long? Even Joshua was tired of the waiting. How long is it going to take? The question of how long is a question in every man's heart. And how long comes in when you are dealing with inheritance? It's not enough for you to say, I've subdued the land, but now have I got to inheritance? It's not enough for you to say, I have, I have, I have, uh, I have got, uh, you know, the the the, the proposal submitted. Have I got to the contract? I get what I'm saying. Is there no way to say I have written the exam? Did I pass it? The proof of the job you did is what we are looking for, and that's what everyone looks for in life. Are we together? Yeah. And so that's where Joshua it hurt his heart. Come on, how long will it take? People should tell me how long it's going to take. Now, from the above verse of scripture, we understand a very vital provision required to live in the fullness of God's provision, which is His land. God's provision is actually His land, and the land basically um, in the New, Te- New Testament, the land symbolically is the living for Christ, who is God forevermore. Are we together? And now we are seeing a very vital um, requirement for, for living in God's provision, which is His land. It is important we know that this was a land God promised to Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, and to their descendants, that's the Israelites, which he finally gave to them. Now, most understand something that I want to come up from somewhere very important, that this land was a land of 
promise. It was not just a land they entered into. You see, when they were going to this land, God told them, hey, um, um, Edom, don't go near Edom. Just pass and go. Say, because I've not given that land to you. I've given it to the descendants of Israel. Don't go near there. So if the Bible says, uh, when we dealt with last year, say you have surrounded this mountain too long. It's actually fact that they were, they were staying around the mountain and they began to eye the land of Edom because they were already looking like, ah, it's, it looks beautiful. So where are we going to? Where we, uh, it's far. Let us chill out here. And God told them, no, no, you have surrounded this mountain too long. You cannot be eyeing what I did not give you. You cannot be eyeing what I did not promise you. And so he says, go forward. Turn northwards. Get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Now, so it was the, 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 the land in question it was a land of promise. That means God had promised them the land. Again, you know I'm saying. Yeah. Now, God is not committed to anything he has not promised. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to know. Now, so when we deal with God, we must deal with God on the grounds of his promise. Are you know what I'm saying? You don't deal with God on the grounds of what you want. You don't relate to God on the grounds of what you relate to God on the grounds of his promise. You see, when, some, when I talk to the Lord, I say, God, you know that even coming here was difficult for us. It was a very difficult step to make. Lord, and so when I come with I say, God, I, in my little way, I obey you even in the most difficult situation. So you have to show up for me. Why? I can come up with those kind of prayer points because I'm not going to eye a dog. Are you get what I'm saying? I'm not eyeing a place that God did not give to me. I'm actually talking about the place that he has promised me. Are you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Alright, so this was um, the land of promise which God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which he finally gave to them. So it was a land that he gave to them. Now, um, the Trumpet chapter 1 verse 8 says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. So now, this land, God took, God, you see, one thing about this promise was that it was in this land, the promises, um, promise of this land was so strong because God promised Abraham this land. Are you get what I'm saying? He, he told him, walk around the land. He said, I'll give this land to you and your descendant. Now, God further came again and he promised the land to Isaac. And he now came and promised it to Jacob again. Now, why would God be reiterating a promise? He had already told Abraham that was good enough. So he could just chill out on that. He could relax. I had already has told our, our great grandfather. Are you getting what I'm saying? He has told our forefather. So there's no big deal. But now, God reiterates a promise from generation to generation to make us know his commitment to the promise. Now, we must understand something. That when God has a promise at stake, He's more committed to the promise than the, than the promise receiver. You know that we will see that word in the book on and um, the promise keeper that's going to be coming up very soon. God is more committed to the promise than even the promise keeper. Now, this is why you need to understand something. We need to understand something about this. God told Abraham that He gave him a son. Are you get what I'm saying? Abraham went and said, Okay, God told me you give me a son. And so he went, when he proposed Haggai, so he entered into Haggai. And at the end of the day, Ishmael came. And God told him, okay, I'm going to give you a son. And he said, ah, let Ishmael be great before your son. God said, no. See, Ishmael will be great. Our blessing will be great. He said, but I will give you a child through what? Sarah. And why? Because that's a vehicle I want to use to do what? To bring the child. Even when Abraham went off, God still gave the promise. Why? Because God was not committed to Abraham. God was committed to his promise. So God is not commi- is not committed to the promise receiver. He's committed to his promise. 
Are we together? Yeah. And so that's the reason why he said that he will reiterate his promise from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. <laughs> are you getting me? Yeah. Why? Because, you see, if we are unfaithful, he will not be unfaithful to himself. Mm-hmm. So, if the, you see, one thing about the promise is that, you know, that, that's the second part of the, 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 the book on promise as God's work on. Now, God is committed to a promise. So, if, for example, he, he says, I'm sending you to, um, to country ABC, and in country ABC, you will do, you will do, you will do, you will do, you will do this and do that, and I will do this for you there. And you get to country ABC, and at the end of the day, you get there, and the things that God said he would do for you, the people there resisted God doing it. You know what God is going to do? God is not committed to you, the one receiving the promise. Neither is he committed to the people that will be used as instruments for the manifestation of the promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. God is committed to the promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So God would rather prefer to move you from that location to another location just to fulfill his promise. Are you getting me? Yes. Or you would rather prefer to change the people around you so his promise will be fulfilled. By all means, God will fulfill his promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. By all means, God fulfill his promise. Why? Because he's committed to his promise. And we have to understand this operation of God very well. If not, we'll be heartbroken time and again when it looks like things are not going the way we expect them to go. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. So, as, 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 as recipients of the land, the children of Israel were meant to possess it, not God. They were the ones meant to possess it. You know what I'm saying? This is why God commanded them to go and possess it. Now, God is committed to his promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? But we are meant to be committed to possessing them. Are we together? God is committed to his promise, but we are meant to be committed to possessing the promises. If we are not committed to possessing the promise, God will remain committed to his promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? And if need be, he will look for somebody else with which to make the promise manifest. Now, the blessing, we talked about the blessing over and over again. God blessed Adam. And then when Adam messed up the blessing, God looked for somebody to bless Noah. When, after Noah, Noah went, the next thing, God looked for somebody to bless again, Abraham. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Why? Because when God is involved with something, when God wants to do something, he's committed to that thing he wants to do. And at all holy costs, he will get it done. This is the power of the promise. That it's about God's commitment. That's the power of the promise. You know, I've always heard people talk about the covenant together, the promise, you know, and, and things like that. You know, I don't I don't um, go into arguments. But you see, if you understand, that's why you're having the promise is a very important book for everybody to get. If you understand God's commitment to the promise, you will know that the covenant is actually the end result of God's promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? The covenant, both the old thing. The old covenant, the new covenant, the old covenant of course, the people of Israel through Abraham. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And what gave rise to that covenant? The, pro- the promise that God gave to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. Leave your finances and I'll bless you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That's what gave rise to the covenant. It's later turned into a covenant when the children of Israel were The new covenant was, 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 was sealed by the blood of Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. What gave rise to that covenant? When God gave the promise of the Messiah in Genesis chapter 17 and in, even in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. That's what, when, that's what gave rise to the covenant. Promises. Promise. So without the promise, there can be no covenant. So which is greater than which? The promise is actually greater than the covenant. Because that which gives birth to the other is greater than the one that's given birth to. 
The mother is greater than the child. So the mother of the covenant is a promise. Actually, if you go to the original Hebrew, there's no word for promise. You actually have the word home. An oath is made by blood. Remember? Oath is made by blood. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That's when God wanted to, when God wanted to, when Abraham said, okay, Lord, this year, I said, I, 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 I'm, 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 and God, and God did what? God made an oath with him. He made him cut animals. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. What we call covenant actually is, is, is actually the, let me say, the, let, let me say, the, the extension of the promise. The, the child of the promise. Because God built hope. See, when he saw to swear, he saw that there was no one greater than him, and he swore by his word, by himself. But the oath of the New Testament is the blood of Jesus. Because there's that blood that was used to see it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, when people don't understand the power of the promise, I'm not going to teach you the promise today. Are you getting what I'm saying? When we don't understand the power of the promise, we just make Okay, we just, we just, we just say, you see, I, I don't have a covenant with God. I'm only a recipient of the promise of God. You see, we, we never had a covenant with God. After the old covenant, it was God who caught it with Israel. The new covenant is God who caught it with the new creation. We, didn't, we don't have what it takes to cut a covenant with God. When God told Abraham, bring the, the she goat, the, bring the ram, bring the three animals he told him to bring, and then he told him to bring the bear, call the animals he told to the ancient child way of cutting covenants, and then let the blood flow in the middle. God told Abraham to cut, and Abraham slept. By that, when the two animals cut to you out, the two people cutting a, a, a covenant begin to walk past the blood and begin to give their covenants to each other. You get what I'm saying? But now, when God did this, rather than Abraham um, walking with God past the blood of the animal. God made Abraham sleep. Why? You, are, you don't have what it takes to cut a covenant with me. I actually will cut a covenant with you. I create a covenant for you. And in the New Testament, do you have what it takes to cut a covenant with God? No. God called the covenant with us by the person of Jesus. So I don't have a covenant with God. God actually has a covenant with me by virtue of his word, his promise. And I have to say that I'm not supposed to teach on promise today. Are you going to say Alright, so as recipients of the land, uh, they were meant to possess it, not God. This is why God commanded them to go and possess it. This makes us understand that God gives the land, but it's man's responsibility to do what? To possess it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So God gives, but we possess. We must understand this. God gives, but what? Possess. That's actually this, this, um, this um, um, cliche is the whole summary of everything we're going to be doing throughout this whole conference. God gives, we possess. I saw, I wrote it in my Bible some years ago. God gives you the land, but it's your responsibility to possess it. God gives, we possess. Are you getting what I'm saying? We can't give ourselves, we're only with recipients and possessors. That's the reason why if you are going to look for a land, the Bible says that he looked for a land who is maker and builder was God. That's uh, Abraham. Is that not so? Yeah. He looks for a land who the maker and builder of God. If God is not the one who made and built the land, if you if you go and look for a land that you made and built for yourself, anything you see, take it like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. So God gives and we do what? And we possess. In view of this, God will never possess the land for us, no matter how much we pray and fast. Very important. God will never possess the land for us, no matter how much we pray and fast. We like fast a thousand years. God will never possess that. The only thing that, the only onus that lies on God is to give. God will not do his own and do your own. Are we together? Yeah. The land was a promise made by God, which he fulfilled, 
as he does to every of his promises. When God makes a promise and fulfills it, there is nothing else left for him to do. All that is left is ours to do. Very important. Are you getting what I'm saying? When God makes a promise and fulfills it, there's nothing left for him to do again. Some of them we pray with ignorance. I'm going to say that as God. We pray with ignorance. You cannot be praying for God to do your part when he has done his part. You cannot be praying for God to do what he has already done. What do you want it to do when he has already done it? And these are some of the, um, the jams and the friction we have in prayers. And it gets us frustrated some of the times. Not only in prayers, in our expectations, it also gets us what? Frustrated. Are we together? Yes. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. When God makes a promise, we wait for the fulfillment as seen in scriptures. When God made the promise of the Messiah, we had the prophet Isaiah. Humanity had to wait for about for 700 years till it was fulfilled. Are you getting what I'm saying? When God makes a promise, we wait for fulfillment. Now, so when God makes a promise, his part is to make the promise. Our part is to wait for fulfillment. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. When God, when, when Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, um, look at it, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Seventies, and on the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord, Lord of hosts, will perform this. Now, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I put them in between thee and the woman, and begin thy seed and, 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 and her seed, and they shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise it. Between when Isaiah made the prophecy of the event of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, and when Jesus was born in Matthew, it was 700 years old. Now, between Malachi and Matthew was a full 400 years. That was what we call the dark ages. At that time, the voice of God was not heard. God was not speaking. That's why the Bible says, Isaiah prophesied, saying, People that have dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. And to them, in the valley of the shadow of their light is strong forth. Why? Because that was what we call the dark ages. They dwelt in darkness. There was no voice, no, the word of God was not heard. The word of God, God was not speaking throughout that 400 years. It was a period of peril and pain. Now, that 400 years had, had another additional 300 years to it. Not actually the period of that is I'm saying. From when I when I said Professor Adventure was 700 years. Now imagine imagine Israel and humanity waiting for 700 years for a Messiah. The only thing they could do was wait. When God makes a promise, you wait for him to fulfill it. You cannot put God at the head of God and say, Oh, fulfill it now. Are you getting what I'm saying? You cannot bend his hand and say, God, do, do it, fulfill the promise. No. When God makes a promise, it's man's part to wait. When God promises, it's man's part to wait. Praise God for the more. And so um, that, 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 that's very you know, important for us to know. Then next, when God fulfills his promise, we have no need to wait for him on that matter anymore. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. When he fulfills the promise, we have no need to wait for him on that matter anymore. Now this way, the Israelites are having a lot of challenges. Because... The promise of the Messiah that God... They believe in Isaiah, that prophecy. You get what I'm saying? 
Nahum prophesied about how many, I, I'll try to check it, how many prophecies were made about the birth of Jesus. Nahum was there, Micah was there, Isaiah was there, and who else again? There were quite a number of them that prophesied about the birth of the Messiah. Are you getting me? Now, so they know about the birth of the Messiah. In fact, one of the signs that they used to know that the Messiah has, uh, that the person is a Messiah, is that we come from the royal family. His lineage will be from the royal, from the kingship lineage. And Jesus came from the root of what? Jesus. From the root of David. Are you getting what I'm saying? So he came from the king lineage. Yet, that's a challenge that many of them are still having today. They would not still believe. Are you getting what I'm saying? Sometimes they came to his own and his own what? Knew him not. Look at your name, Babi, the, the, the name of Yahweh. It symbolizes the hand and the cross. That's the symbol, the hand and the cross. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that talks about Jesus. And they saw everything, but yet they would not believe. Why? Because if I not so believe, you have to them who are, who are blinded, the government who are blinded them. So they will not see the glorious gospel and not Jesus. We thank God for Hebrews, for Romans chapter 11, when I was born, saying that there will be a remnant there. Have God forgotten Israel? No, he has not forgotten Israel. There will be a remnant, and the Lord is God after all that. that was believe in Jesus. And we thank God for what's happening today. There are many that are believing in Yeshua Mashiach. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Now, so they waited, and some of them, they are still waiting. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. 700 years is passed, but they are still waiting. Are we getting it? Praise God forevermore. Now, but God has fulfilled that promise. That means they are not meant to wait for the Messiah anymore. We are not waiting for the Messiah anymore. He has come. Are you getting what I'm saying? He has come. We are not waiting for him anymore. Now, so pray to God for a promise that he has fulfilled. Is tantamount to waste of precious prayer time. Are you getting me? Yes. When God fulfills a promise, we don't wait for it any longer. We do what? We possess it. We possess it. Yeah. And this is what we need to understand in the Christian faith. Many of us are waiting for promises. We're going to be saying a lot of things in the course of these studies. Many of us are waiting for promises from God, and God looks at us and like, what is happening? Because why? He's expecting us to be possessors, yet we are with us. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Are you getting me? Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. You see, there's a difference between waiting on the Lord and waiting for the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. When it has to do with the fulfillment of God's promises, you wait for Him. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? Yes. But when it has to do with divine leading, you wait on Him. Are we together? Yes. Now, Waiting on the Lord is a thing we have to engage in every day. We have to say, that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as it will. They shall run and not be. They shall, not, they shall run and not get free. They shall walk and not fail. The book of Isaiah says that. Waiting on the Lord is a daily thing. Waiting upon the Lord, waiting on the Lord is a daily thing. It's not what you do once in a while. We think that waiting upon the Lord is fasting. So I'm waiting on the Lord. So we have to engage in three days fasting, 21 days fasting. No, 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 no. We wait upon the Lord 24-7. We wait on the Lord 24-7. What when we wait on the Lord, your, your spiritual antennas are high, your spiritual ears are open, your spiritual eyes are open. You are just spiritually alive, waiting to hear instructions and directions from the Lord. That's what it means to wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord is what we do for the moment we get born again. Till the day we leave planet Earth. We do it every day. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. It is for instructions. But waiting for the Lord is for the fulfillment of promise. And what we're dealing with in how long we do it has to do with waiting for the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? Not waiting upon the Lord. And this is where a lot of people miss it most of the times. A lot of Christians miss it most of the time. 
We don't understand. You see, we, we, that's why we're going to be dealing with this waiting for the Lord matter. And because of these stories, we have understood that waiting upon the Lord, it is a must. Daily basis. Are we together? Yes. Amen. Amen. Now, so when God fulfills his promise, we have no need to wait on him on that matter any longer. Rather, we have to possess it. This means that waiting is wasting after God's promises have been fulfilled. Waiting is what? Wasting after God's promises have been what? Fulfilled. This is very crucial. And everybody again, child of God, needs to understand this. Waiting is wasting after God's promises have been what? Fulfilled. This was the situation of some of the Israelites in the verse of scripture in Joshua chapter 18, which we have looked at. Praise God forevermore. Seven out of the tribes were waiting after the promise had been fulfilled. So they were actually wasting. It says, how long will you be slack to take the, your inheritance with the Lord your God promised to your Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? So they were waiting when they were actually meant to be working. They were, they were waiting when they were actually meant to be possessing. So they were actually wasting. Every waiting done for God after his promise had been fulfilled is wasting our time, wasting our life, and wasting our resources. So the question about how long should you wait is, has the promise been fulfilled or not? <laughs> how long is dependent on the fulfillment of the promise? Has God fulfilled the promise or not? If he has fulfilled the promise, you are not waiting anything at all. You are possessing. In the course of possessing, you keep waiting upon him and waiting on him. But you are not waiting for him. I get what I'm saying? Yeah. So how long should you wait? For as long as the promise is unfulfilled. The promise of the Messiah Redeemer from Isaiah till Matthew was 700 years. They had to, humanity had to wait for as long as 700 years for God. It was fulfilled. Was it for 700 years easy? It was easy. But did they have to wait? Yeah, they had to wait. Did they have an option? No option. What is the only option? Wait for God. So how long will you wait? The duration of waiting for God is the duration of God's fulfillment of the promise. I get what I'm saying. But the moment the promise has been fulfilled, you are wasting waiting. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. As seen in the verse 3, which we looked at, God gave them the land, but they kept waiting. <laughs> God gave them the land, but they kept waiting. They kept waiting. God gave them, but they kept waiting for the land. They kept waiting. Joshua called this waiting slackness. Whenever God has fulfilled a promise and we are still waiting for, the, for him, we are slacking. Most of the times, what we call waiting for God in Christendom is slackness. Intentional slackness. Deliberate slackness. I hear what I'm saying? So I just want to, I'm waiting for God for the right time. I remember when the Lord told me to go into the ministry, join the ministry, you know, full time. I, I was in, in a denomination, I just went there to worship, and I saw a young man, and like, ah, we attended the same jam lecture, and the guy was very good in front of my pastor. And that's me. But then we graduated, I graduated, and every of that, I've done my research, and then I tried to say, I've done my. So he asked me, So what are you to now? He said, I'm to the ministry. He said, That thing, I'll do it too. I said, Say yes. 
I said, so what are we doing? I said, no, 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 I want to wait till I'm 40 before I start playing. I looked at him. I said, Chai, this guy's wasted. Okay. Um, 40 is just by the corner for me. Between when I started and now, I know what I've learned. If I didn't start when I started, oh my God, I will not be where I am. I will not have learned what I learned. Anybody that wants to start this thing at 40, I wish him were. Because maybe by 60 or 70, that's how you would have learned the peripheral, the foundation he needs to start building. How long do you have to build? I get what I'm saying. How long do you have to build? Especially if you are to pioneer in work. Are you getting me? And especially if there's a uniqueness in your ministry. Oh, I don't remember to tell you. There's, there's a uniqueness in my calling. Yeah. Are you getting me? Yes. And he said he wants to wait till 40. And I'm like, wow. You are waiting till 40. What a, what a wait. That's a definition of wasting. Because you already have the impression in you that you have to do this. You are supposed to be waiting on the Lord. Not waiting for the Lord. And once you know you are supposed to be, you are supposed to start doing something in that direction. There should be something you can start doing. I remember when uh, one of my elder brother said to me, one of his friends, one of his friends, Saturday, so I used to go to his, during my national service, my office was going to his office. So we'll go with him. And then he went to for counsel. This was a guy that was well older than me. He was my brother and my elder brother. Well older than me. He went to me for counsel and I would give him counsel, give him counsel, counsel. And when I, there was one day he told me, he said, he said, Chimji, this wisdom that you have there, you have to start ministry. <laughs> I said, hey, stop that. Stop it. He, he couldn't, he said, you have to, there was one day he took me to his house. He gave me food to eat. He just loved me. He was my elder brother's elder. <laughs> and he would not prefer talking with me. I get what I'm saying. And he would talk in food. I said, this wisdom, you have to do ministry. I said, it doesn't matter. I knew I was to do, you know. But I was just pioneering. Yes, there's a time for it. But before then, I was doing many ministry clients. During that National Youth Service, I was the one in my, uh, my, 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 you know, my, um, there were like parents to me that was staying with the all of blessed memory now. Yeah. I was the one teaching their youths there, manning their youths and every other. I was just involved, doing something. But you can't just say, I'm waiting for God. Waiting for Him. It's okay. I mean, many of, many of us have, have manifested slackness among us. Are we together? Every time we wait for the promise of God, we are slacking. Are we together? As every time we wait for the promise of God, we are slacking. As it relates to the new creation, we are going to understand it. As it relates to the new creation in Christ, all the promises of God have been fulfilled in and by Christ Jesus. All of them. No one remaining again. All the promises that the Father made, they are all been fulfilled in Christ and by Christ. Look at, you see, um, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. I'm going to be using the King James version, the Easy English translation and the uh, NHEV. King James says, For all the promises of God are in Him, sorry, in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Talking about Jesus. I get what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, Easy English, he says, Everything that God has promised becomes yes because of Christ. They become yes because of Christ. Hey, yes means affirmative. Yes means positive. They become positive. They become affirmative because of who? Christ. Hey, 
So if Christ did not come, the promise of God would have stood behind him. He says everything, and that's why I like this is in Joseph. Everything, he says some things. The word every, everything, all, it means whatever. Everything, everything that God promised from Old Testament down to the New Testament, they have become what? They have become yes because of Christ. So because of Christ, God is not owing any promise again. <laughs> because of Christ, there is no unfulfilled promise again. Go through Old Testament down to there is no unfulfilled promise again because of Christ. He <laughs> uh, says that is why by Christ we can thank God. By Him we can agree that all God's promises are true. And we can say how very great and good God is. <laughs> Let me use the WHEB. He says, for however many, I underline however many. You see, you see, sometimes when you look at these things, they blow your mind. You see, you see, when you, King James used for all the promises, it's just all. When you hear all of them, the Greek word pass, all manner, it just it makes you look at all of them. It doesn't put some kind of weight. And isn't it says everything? Don't put some kind of weight. You know, everything, everything is everything. We, we don't know how many everything is. But the life says for however many. In other words, see, you may be saying, how many are the promises of God? It says, however many they are. Mm, yeah. we, are we, we are heard that there are over 8,000 promises in the Bible. So however many they are, if you, whether you can count or you cannot count, however many they are, <coughs> however many are the promises of God in him, they are yes. They are what? Yes. Therefore, also through him, they are what? Amen to the glory of God through us. <laughs> the word yes is from the Greek word nahi. And nahi, Thea defined nahi as yea, verily, truly, assuredly, even so. Strong defines it as a primary participle of strong affirmation. Strong word affirmation. Yes, even so. Surely, truth, very. So this means that every promise of God is true, is assured, and is affirmed in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Every, however many, the promise of God are, they are true. They are, they, they are, they are, they are, they are assured and they are affirmed in Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the true assurance and affirmation of all God's promises. He's the true assurance and affirmation of God's promises. Oh, and is, is God going to do this? Look at Jesus. Has God done this? Look at Jesus. Will God do this? Look at Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. So the presence of Jesus is the presence of the promises of God. Mm. <laughs> this implies that when Jesus appeared on the earth, every promise of God appeared on the earth. 
When he appeared, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was in God, and the word was God. Verse 11 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among men. It means that the moment the word was made flesh, the promise of God was made flesh. So when the promise of God was made flesh, it means that the promise of God has already manifested. The manifestation of Jesus on the earth was the manifestation of every of God's promises. God is not owing us any promise again. If Jesus did not come, God would have been owing us some promises. <laughs> but because Jesus came, every of God's promises have manifested. Amen. Say, well, Lord, manifest let like your promise manifest. No, no, you are not saying that the promise manifests in that. The promise has long manifested. So when you are waiting for God, you are wasting your time. Because over 2,000 years ago, God manifested all his promises. He fulfilled all of them. So the appearance of Jesus on the earth, which was the fulfillment of God's promised Messiah, was the fulfillment of every promise of God to humanity. Now, you must understand something, that the promise of the Messiah was the long sum of all the promises. And when the Messiah appeared, every promise appeared. Every promise manifests. What does manifest means? Fanero, to bring forth, to show forth. It has happened. It has happened. The word was made and dwelt among men. That means when they say the word of Israel, it means the promise was made flesh and dwelt among us. The promise has happened. It has shared. It has manifested. There is no promise that is still waiting to happen. No! All the promises of God manifested in Jesus. All, not some. All the promises of God manifested in Jesus. Not they will manifest. They manifested in Jesus. Now, so we need to understand something. We need to understand something. That when Jesus walked the face of the earth, the promises of God were walking the face of the earth. See, promise of God moving. Hey, that's why the Bible says he came to his own and his own did not. It was painful because no one that the Bible says he stood he, when he, the triumphant he stood and he looked at Jesus and he, and he wept. He said, Oh, I, I long to cover you the way he had covered her cheeks, but you will not allow me to. So, in other words, see, the promise of God has come and he wants to cover you, but you say, No promise, don't cover me. We are still waiting for promise. That's why they are still, some of them are still wasting. Some of the Jews are still wasting. Why, why should I be waiting for what has already happened? You don't wait when it has happened. You don't wait. When Jesus came, every promise of the Father manifested. Every promise, every promise, every promise, every promise. They manifested. And that's the reason why, you see, when you realize this truth, we don't walk as those who are abandoned. Was those who God is owing something. Because when some Christians pray, we are praying as if God is owing us something. As if God has some unfulfilled promises he has to fulfill. God does not have any promise he has to fulfill again. He has fulfilled all of them in Christ. So having Christ means having the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Yes, 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 yes. I, uh, you know what? Christ is the promise made easy. Permit me to use it like this. 
How many promises are there in the Bible? They say there are over 8,000, the Old Testament, the New Testament. But you know what? Just lump all of them and put them in one person. That's what the Father said. Let me lump all of them and put them in one person and give that person to whoever receives him. And the moment they receive it, what happened? They have received all of God's promises. That means the moment that received Jesus and received all of God's promises. How long should I wait? No more waiting. So it means that if I have Christ and I'm still waiting for God to fulfill the promise, I am actually slacking. If I have Christ, you see, I am, that means I'm like that seven tribes that have refused to take their possession. I refuse. I refuse to be the seven tribes. You see, I began to understand that next year had to do with the promise of God the Lord. I even know what I'm saying. The Lord began to teach me on your promise in 2009. Are you getting it? That's why, that's why I, 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 I began to have some understanding about the promise of God. So now here we begin to argue about the covenant and promise, just like, oh, the mother gave birth to the child that you are talking about. We just had a little tip on, on, on the promise giving birth to the covenant. Is that not so? Now, I did not begin to teach me about the promise in 2009, but I never understood it in this light. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I began to say, ah, God promises, the promise of God. And I was actually some, for, for, for a time in my life waiting for God to fulfill promises for me. But you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that 13 years down the road, I will, I will get this clarity that the moment I received Christ, I received all of God's promises. That means there's no promise left for God to fulfill to me again. God has fulfilled them in Christ. Yes. So waiting for God is wasting my time. Say, but pastor, so what should we do? We'll continue and understand what we are meant to do in subsequent teachings. The ideology of God promised me this. It should be removed from the mind of everyone again, child of God. I'm waiting for God to fulfill the promise. Delete it. It is not a New Testament understanding. God, fulfill your promise to me. We understand that that prayer is out of place. When you received Christ as Zipara to you received all the promises of God in one in one pack fulfilled. <laughs> ah, so what are you to do? You don't wait any longer for the promises of God. You don't wait for God any longer. You start possessing. If we are still waiting for promises now, we are like the seven tribes. And even Joshua was tired of their wisdom. I know what? Even God is tired of our wisdom. Wasting time, wasting energy. Some of us, the prayers we are praying only in the name of God, fulfill your promise. God looks at us and says, This prayer energy will have been used for something more fruitful. You are wasting it. Oh Lord, fulfill your promise to me. God will say, The Father will say, What happened about Jesus? But I gave Jesus to you. What about what I did before you came? I never knew that. The whole of God's promises were fulfilled in Christ. And when I received him, I stopped waiting for God to fulfill his promise again. You see, you know the blessing that the new creation had? The, Jew, the, 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 the Jews and the whole of humanity, from the time Isaiah prophesied till March when Jesus was born, they had to wait for 700 years. 
oh, thank God I was not in that time. Now imagine those who were in that who were in that period of Malachi to Matthew. That it just looked like Malachi, then he jumped to Matthew, you know, for his 400 years of darkness. Imagine how life was for them. Imagine. You see, you know what pays me the most? They lived in that kind of time, and some of them did not even value when the world was made fresh. That's what that pays me the most. And you see, you don't blame them. Even some that are in our time today, we don't value the world being made fresh. I get what I'm saying. Living a life devoid of the voice of God is the greatest tragedy that can happen to a man. Yes, when you cannot hear God, it's the greatest tragedy that can happen to a man. Why is it? They had to wait for 700 years for God to fulfill that promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? But here am I. I didn't have to wait at all. I was born and the fulfillment of the promise was already waiting for me. Over 2,000 years ago, the promise was fulfilled. Waiting for me to be born. Oh my God. No wonder the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, when it, in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, when he talked about the heroes of faith, talked about Abraham, talked about, talked about every of them. And then he went further to not cap it up and said, these ones have not yet been made perfect. They are waiting for us to make them perfect. You know, I remember once, like when I taught that scripture once in a particular um, church, as I thought it, there was a woman there who said, Lie, lie, I cannot be saying that. It is not. I said, What well, is this inside scriptures? Are you getting what I'm saying? I, I brought open it, but she said, No, it cannot be. How can you say that Abraham is waiting for me to make him perfect? How can you say that um, um, Gideon, uh, Joshua, they are waiting for me to know? The woman said, It cannot be. But I said, This is scriptures. I opened it for her and showed her. The woman was arguing the scripture blatantly and black and white. It was there. She was still arguing it that it is not possible that I that we are the ones who will make this one perfect. Mm. She was arguing it. She argued it. And she was angry when arguing. And you know, funny thing that she was a woman, she came for you to eating. It was a new speaking I was teaching. Because there are some things you cannot teach in big church. <laughs> you can't teach them in big church. Even on the head house, you can't study you. It was youth meeting I was teaching. The woman was, why did she go for youth meeting? Because youth you can give those kind of teaching and to excite them initially and then you know to them see this is how you work it out. The woman did not even want to get that excited that she was angry with me. But I showed her scriptures. But she doesn't understand the reason for that. These guys, some of them, they said they didn't see the Messiah. No, they, didn't, they were not even up to the period of waiting. Abraham was not, they didn't get to, the, to, to Isaiah's time. Are you getting what I'm saying? Isaac didn't get to Isaiah's time. Now, okay, the people after they went to Isaiah's time and they had to wait, some of them, they, they died. They died in the process of waiting for the 700 years. And they did not see the promise of God made flesh. But what a blessing the new creation has. What a blessing I have. That, you know what? God made sure that he brought his promise to be made flesh over 2,000 years before I was born physically. That means the promise, the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the promise was waiting for me to be born. Hey! The fulfillment of the promise was waiting for me to be born. Then who is that devil that can tell me that I will not enjoy the fullness of God's promises? That devil can never be created. God is not God is not going to fulfill anything to me. He has already fulfilled everything. By sending Jesus, all of God's promises have been fulfilled. I know what, when I have Christ, I have the fulfillment of all God's promises. He said, well, you are not looking like it yet. That's your business. I have it on the inside. I have Christ on the inside. You know what? Because it's on the inside, the promises of God are already fulfilled. 
God is not trying to fulfill them. They already fulfilled inside. It, it, it may take time, no problem, but just no wanting. The first assurance you need is that it's on the inside, it's fulfilled. If you are still waiting for God, your journey is far. You have joined this 700 years wait. And for you, after the 700 years, you are still going, taking yourself back to 700. You, have, you are giving yourself a program that I can You are backwarding yourself to time. But in Christ, every of the promises have been fulfilled. Yes. So we are not waiting for God. You see, there are many promises that we don't even know. Yeah. But you know what? I don't need to go and go through scriptures and be looking through promise one, promise two, promise three. Just look at Christ and promise that. <laughs> Just look at Christ Jesus and I'm good to go. I'm good to, you see, that's why God made it simple for us. You see, let me share some Jesus today. He said, um, uh, this is, see, so what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord thy God. I love thy neighbor, as I said. That is the greatest summary. It summarizes everything. Are you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The summary, the compression of the over thousands of promises in the Bible is Christ Jesus. So once we have him, my brother and my sister, let's just keep fellowshipping with him. You know what? Even some promises will be manifested that we know they were scriptures. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe three years after, we now saw that this thing was in scripture. I didn't know it was a scripture that was the promise of God. Well, you don't need to know all of them. Just keep knowing the manifestation of the promise. Hallelujah. Once you know the fulfillment of the promise, they will be manifested. You'll be manifesting them in your life, even without your knowing them one after the other. It may be later on you may start seeing that this one was inside and I didn't know that it was there. But if you want to go and start looking for the promises one after the other, my brother, it's a good journey you have started. But I think I rather prefer to carry the summary of the promises. And enjoy Child of God, as saints who believe in and follow Jesus, we don't wait for the promises of God because they all have been assured and fulfilled in Christ Jesus. We possess them. We possess them. How long are you to wait? We are no longer to wait. The new creation is no longer meant to wait. What are we to do? Possess the promises of God. We are what? Possessors. We are possessors. We are possessors. The consciousness that the fulfillment of the promises in me, let that be my reality. Once that consciousness becomes my reality, you know what? Even if my physical environment does not look like it, in no time it will align to it. Yes. Is it Twenty-three is an explosive year. Amen. You see, see, the, see the way God is initiating us into the year. Mm. The devil is in trouble. Amen. Because a, hey, see, they say at the end of the should have crucified a lot of glory. If the devil had known, he shouldn't have allowed us to know Jesus. He shouldn't have allowed us to know Jesus. He should have done his best. I don't know Jesus. But for, for for making the mistake of allowing us to know Jesus, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. In this country, ah, in this land. The devils we have said they came to sack. We will sack all of them away. Amen. What? Because the promise has been fulfilled in us. Amen. Not because we have what it takes, but because we have who has what it takes. Yes. Jesus. Jesus. Is in us. We are possessors. Let's open our mouth and just begin to pray the language of the Spirit.
you're out there, you've not made Jesus your Lord and personal Savior, um, I would want to invite you to make this decision. It's the best decision you can make in your life. And I encourage you to do it. Now, if you want to make this decision, please say this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you died for me. And on Calvary Street, you shed your blood to take away my sins. Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I make you my Lord and personal Savior. Because you chose me, I choose to serve and follow all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray for you, Lord. I pray for everyone who has made this decision. Thank you for receiving them in the beloved. And thank you for giving them the grace to serve and follow you all the days of their life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. For your love gift of any amount to Grace Life Kami Podcast, kindly use any of our giving channels available to give in dollars. You can send to Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. Account number 033-154-551-2013. Swift code M B G H G H A C to give in CDs. Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. You can send to account number 033-254-551-2017 To give in Naira, you can send to Ecobank Nigeria, account number 554-102-0592 Also, for further enquiries, you can call us on plus 233-54594-7132 OR, send us an email via ministry at gmail.com Today, remain ever blessed. Thanks for listening to this teaching. We believe you were blessed listening to this prophetic and life-changing teaching episode. We would like to receive your praise report of your encounter with the Lord through the ministry of Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna. To send in your praise report or make a request, Kindly send us an email via ministry at gmail.com. If you need more information about the ministry and would like to give a love offering today, you can visit our website via www.chimdiohahunaministry.org. Grace to you, Jesus is Lord.